0: Okay, good morning. It is the week of Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is coming around the corner. Um, How many people like Thanksgiving? It's kind of like the in-between a lot of people. How many people like Halloween? And then how many people love Christmas? Yeah, so Thanksgiving is always the in-between one. Um, Everybody having turkey? Who's not having turkey? what are you gonna have what's that ham someone's gonna have ham what else anything different (laughs) yell it out Tofurky Tofurky okay so we what's that I can't even say it with that accent but tamales all right we're having tacos okay so shredded chicken tacos shredded beef tacos Instead of Turkey this year, um, I appreciate Thanksgiving because it makes us think about what we're grateful for, and a lot of times we have a it, we don't. It's not always on our mind, and uh, so I was thinking this morning. I was like, man, during uh, some marriage talks we've had in the in the midweeks, Karina said the other Wednesday. She said, you know, it's very interesting. Women get a lot of compliments throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. They get them at work, they get them from random people. Sometimes you're hit on and you get them. And they said, you know, men don't usually get that. They don't usually get that. So this morning for Thanksgiving, there's four guys that, in the marrieds that I wanted to tell you that I appreciate. And they're all different and they all bring something different to me. Some of them just make me laugh. Some of them really challenge my convictions in my heart. Some of them teach me how to be deep and honest and open. And each one of them is incredible. And I looked out and I was so excited because I got them Starbucks gift cards and I was like, I'm gonna give him a gift card. And three of them aren't here today. But the fourth, the fourth Chad Hoffman is here. And there he is. And I just want you to know how important you are in my life. Yes, I will. And the other one's Marcel and Will and Chad. And I just want to thank you so much for your love and your heart and your friendship. It means a lot. Okay, so today, uh, this week has been incredibly tough. In preparing this lesson, Marcel's like, hey, can you speak on the 21st? I said, I'd love to. i will love to pinch hit. No problem. And. I had the idea and I'm like, I'm going to preach on this, I'm going to talk about this is on my heart, and then Monday came, or Tuesday came, and Wednesday came, and it just didn't seem good. And so I changed the whole thing, and then I'm like, I'm going to put together this video series, and I spent hours on this video, and it was going to be this drone aerial, and I'm like, I'm going to put you into the Bible. It's going to be incredible. And it didn't work. Epic failure of five, six hours. Okay. It was like the Bad News Bears, and I'm not talking the remake, I mean the coaches in the dugout drinking a beer, like bad week, okay? So, um, however, I think what we have, hopefully, will talk to all of us. Things got... where do I point it at? There we go. Up there? Okay. Things began to get so bad, that I even found this tweet. And God was like, if you just hang on, don't worry, Chris, things are just gonna keep to get worse. And it just kept seeming like, man, even this morning when I went to get coffee, one place was too full, the next place didn't have coffee. I went to the third place that rejected my credit card. I came home, my dog jumped up and I had a little hole I found in my pants and a dog nail gets in it and rips it, right? All this morning, then I got a call from Marcel and Marcel says, man, I'm sick. I'm not gonna make it and either is Kyle. And I was like, we're not going to have a minister in the house here. Karina came in at last minute and jumped up here and did all that. And then I found out we had a guy named Elijah and another brother named Jericho in the service. And I was like, if these people can't save it, this is a sign. It's going to be incredible. Okay. So Elijah came up here even with one glove. I thought I told him, I was like, I thought you were bringing back something with a one glove. Um, But it was just his hand wrap, he hurt his hand. So anyways, um, I'm excited to be here and I wanna talk about a few things and let's start with this video. Anyone ever seen that before? No. So what are the two things Jesus condensed it down to? Love the Lord your God with all what? Your heart, your mind, soul, and your strength. And what was the, what was the second part? And love who? Your neighbor. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, mind. I'm going to love my neighbor. And we go through life. And then these things happen. These things happen. And so I, I listen to the news, I talk to my coworkers, I go down the street, and everybody's got an opinion about something up there. And I go, Wait, let me love the Lord my God with all my what? Heart mine my strength okay okay I can do that and love your neighbor and I go wait I heard their opinion about a few things on this board that's hard that's hard I don't agree with that but love your neighbor but I don't think the way they think is right but love your neighbor invite them over to your home share your food lay down your life for them there are things that are giant in the world and in our life that we have to face right now and today we're going to talk about giants we're going to talk about david and goliath and we're going to talk about how do you face giants in your life because they're different for each one of us And giants today are battling for our souls, they're battling for mine, and they're battling for yours. And they want to conquer us. They want you to back down, they want me to back down, they want us to assimilate into what they are, and deny the living God. Facing Giants. We're gonna read from 1st Samuel 17. Please turn in your Bibles. If Who has their Bible here? There we go. All right, or in your phones who's you someone's using a phone. All right, good So please turn in your Bibles your phones 1st Samuel 17. We're gonna read from that passage Now to set this up, okay, so in ancient Palestine now Israel the land the topography of the land was mountains and valleys And there was major mountain ridge, and then there was four finger-like valleys that went from the Mediterranean across the plain from west to east. And the mountains generally were on the north and the south side of the east-west valleys. Those valleys they called, I'm going to butcher this, but Shepala. And the Shepala were the ways that different invading foreign countries or people or cultures would come in and try to overtake the cities and towns of israel and so the philistines what we're going to talk about here in in, in david and goliath the philistines were they think from crete area they were seafaring people and they would come from the mediterranean they would land in, on the land and they would make their way through these valleys and so they started making their ways through the valley and they were going to work their way all the way they believed to jerusalem and on their way they passed Gath and Ekron. And they, King Saul, who was leading Israel at the time, said, we know they're there, we need to go out and stop them. So Israel brought its forces and they met in the hill country of the Valley of Allah. Okay, so you can imagine you have one army, Israelis, on one side of this mountain, and on the opposing hills, which they think almost made like a U, you had all the Philistines and they were camped out. So we'll start here. Watch this video to get a little overview.
1: After Saul was rejected by God and Samuel, you try to imagine how much turmoil he must have felt trying to figure out when his time as king of Israel would be over. Samuel, in secret, anoints David, but he hasn't been installed as a king yet. Saul is trying to fight these battles with the Philistines, wondering when he's going to be replaced. And that brings us to one of the most famous stories in all of the Old Testament, as we walk beside a brook in the Valley of Elah. And David came out here and faced the giant, and I believe at that point he gives one of the most moving speeches that's in all of the Bible. In 1 Samuel 17, after Goliath has taunted him, it says in verse 45, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is one God in Israel, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." Such a beautiful speech, and of course we know that as soon as he finished that, he took one of those stones, put it in his sling, and killed Goliath. David's speech, he emphasizes, he already knows, that people are going to hear about the next couple of minutes for the rest of history. And he wants them to understand something about God from it, not something about him. He wants people to understand that it's not because he had the fastest arm to swing that sling around. The reason that Goliath went down was because God helped David do that. And the God of Israel, the Yahweh of Israel, was the true and living God.
0: okay let's read the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camp between Sukkah and judah and as and ephes damim my pronunciation's terrible but we'll go with it Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops over the valley of Allah so the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them now Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead and weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. All right, so we've all heard this story, and we see Goliath. Now, Goliath's height, is differing in different places that it's written. In one place it says he was over nine feet tall, nine nine. In other writings, it says he was six foot nine, six foot nine. And I'm going to show you some pictures as we go through this of um, some people that are about that height. OK? Now, where did Goliath come from? Well, in jo- Deuteronomy 2:10, says, the Emites used to live there, a people strong and numerous, as tall as the Anakites. In Joshua 11:21. 21, at that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites, the tall people, from the hill country, from Hebron to beer and from the hill country of Judah, and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. No Anakites were left in Israelite territory, only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashad did any survive. So where was, where was uh, Goliath from? He was from Gath. And if you look at the map, when the Philistines came in through those four fingers, those the valleys, they passed Gath. And there you have the descendants of these tall people, the Anakites. Now, let's talk about something about height. Um, would it matter to you if you were 5'5, five, 5'6, five, five, or 5'7, and the person you were standing in front was 6'9 nine, or 9'9, nine, nine, would it matter to you? What would matter? What's that? Can't what? Ah, ah, you can't see. Okay. So, I work in law enforcement, and, um, I used to go, I used to go to work and I would come home and hang out with my wife and with disciples. And I'd go to work and at work, um, you know, that night, who knows, three people were shot, they were killed and I would try to help them before they died and I'd I'd hold them and they'd breathe their last breath. And I'd go to another call and I'd find a child that had things done terribly to it that was choked out, suffocated in a closet and I'd have to pull them out and then, you know, talk to the parents. And then I'd go and someone would be cut up and stabbed. And, and then I would leave. I'd, oh, okay, it's time to go. And then I would jump in my car and I'd drive home. And I'd drive back to my world. And one time, right before I got off work, um, we got a call that this person was being stabbed. And the wife, when I get there, the wife and the child were really cut up. And the husband came out, and he was carrying this big butcher knife, and he was irate. And in the end, he ends up plunging it through his heart, okay, a little graphic, plunging it through his heart. And so we helped him as much as we could. We got paramedics there, and it was like, oh, I got to go. It's someone else's handle. They're going to take us over, write the report. So I jump in the car, and I go, hey, Gene, I'm running a little bit late. Can we meet at, we were going to have a time with some disciples at their house. I go, I'll meet you there. So we get there and we sit down and we're sitting in the backyard. And so, you know, five other things had happened before this. And we start talking. And the the sisters start sharing about how upset she was, was the way that her friend or co-worker was talking to her, and how wrong it was, and how terrible that was, and how it made her feel. Now, I was sitting there, and what do you think I was thinking? I just left, right? What I just ref real life. I left real life. You're in a fantasy world if your feelings are hurt, and this is so monumental to you. You know that's wrong. And I realize when I talk about height and I look at that height, it doesn't matter how big the giant is, it's still a giant in front of you. And to her, I became so calloused. To her, that was a real thing in her life and it was a real giant she had to face. As much as maybe I thought my giant was bigger, they're equally important. You know, the thing about giant and Goliath, you know what his name means? Does anybody know what his name actually comes out to? The Exposer. The Exposer. So think about that as we read on through this narrative. Oh, there he is. So that's the Dutch giant. This guy is seven two. And those other people are normal height, right? Average height somewhere in the upper fives, mid five feet to upper fives. Seven two, incredible, huh? So Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Okay, so you imagine they're up on these hills and there was this old way of fighting where they said, instead of everybody getting wiped out, we're going to do one-on-one. And it was this old traditional thing that they would do. And so you can imagine Goliath coming out. Here he comes out, six, nine, nine, nine. He's wearing all these clothes, right? He looks strong and big and he's shouting at them, let's go says, Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimei, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. Okay, so let's look at David. So, David is the son of Jesse, and David, we'll backtrack one chapter, and look where David comes from here. It says the lord said to samuel how long will you mourn for saul since i have rejected him as king over israel fill your horn with oil and be on your way i'm sending you to jesse of bethlehem i have chosen one of his sons to be king but the lord said to samuel do not consider his appearance or his height for i have rejected him the lord does not look at the things people look at people look at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart so he sent for him and had him brought in." He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Okay, so we have the description here of David. Now, who's Samuel? Okay, we're going to define who some of these people are. Samuel was one of the last. He was actually the last judge and Israel had judges for a time. And then the people said, hey, you know what? This judge thing, we want to be like everybody else. Everybody else has a king because their king goes out and fights for them. And that's what we want now. So Samuel, the last judge, was also a prophet. And he said, you know, I don't think this is good. I don't think what you want is actually good for you. And in the end, God says, hey, give the people what they want. If the people are rejecting me, then we'll give them a king. And so he went out and he anointed Saul. And then now we see he anoints David. It says, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him, this is the one. So Samuel took the, whole, the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we see one of the famous passages in here is that God does not look at what? From the outside. He looks to the inside. And we're gonna talk about Saul in a second here too on who he was and how he looked. Um, but let's look a little bit more about David. So David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed up with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So he would herd sheep that they had. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Iz- Israelite army. So for 40 days goes by, we have these two battles, these, these two hills full of warriors with Goliath down in the valley just walking and strutting for 40 days. Now what do we know about 40 days from your biblical knowledge? What was 40 days? Jesus fasted, Jesus fasted right, was tempted. Who, what else was 40 days? noah's ark reigned and what else was 40 days wandering in the desert 40 days so the idea of 40 days means there's a time of testing it's a time of testing and they are being tested by who the giant who is the exposer. Goliath, there's a duality to Goliath. Goliath, we're going to find, also becomes the accuser as well. But right now, he's the exposer, and he walks in between for 40 days strutting this giant. Who will come out and fight me? Who will face me? This one's looking in the mirror, right? When you get exposed, it's a time to look in the mirror. When you get exposed, you have to decide and look at yourself and say, look at these things I got, these things maybe I do well, but this one thing I need to address. And if you're willing to address it, God can do incredible things with your life. And we're gonna see the difference between David's willingness and Saul's willingness when the Exposer comes. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring, bring back some assurances from them. They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things and the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw them, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward for anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him." But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, David? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to come see the battle. Okay? Now, here's the oldest brother. Traditionally, who got anointed as the, the leader of the family? The firstborn or the lastborn? Firstborn. So something is odd here with this a little bit, because we had the last one, and we'll see what Eliab looks like. It says, what have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. Can you imagine? Brother, sister, big brother, little brother, what did I do now? Right? I'm just asking a question. Why are you harassing me all the time? Okay. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. King Saul. Okay, here's where King Saul comes from. King Saul, okay, there was a Benjamite, a man standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becareth, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Okay. So what do we have the description of both Saul and David as? Handsome, good-looking guys. When I typed in "king handsome king Saul," this is what popped up. I googled. I was like, "Okay, handsome king Saul. What are we gonna get here?" And literally, this guy, good-looking guy, this guy popped up. All right. So maybe he looked like that, maybe not. Okay. Here's the other part of Saul. So we know that he was uh, Benjamite, and that he was good-looking, and that he was a foot taller than everybody else. So if Goliath is 6'9 and the average Israeli was 5'5, what did that make Saul? 6'5. Now is 6'5 and 6'9 that big of a difference? Not really, depending upon the shoes you wear, right? Whatever they were wearing. But it's not that big of a difference. Now if it's 9'9, it's still big, but 6'5 is much bigger. They went up to the town and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming towards them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. So we have Saul who gets anointed. Saul is described as a handsome man who is a foot taller than most, and he comes from the tribe of Benjamin. Does anybody know what the tribe of Benjamin was known for? They were known for their ability to sling rocks. And they were known to be incredibly trained with both hands. And they could sling them with their left and they could sling them with their right. So here is a guy who Samuel anoints to be king. God has made him king, set him apart. God believes in him he's six five six four six somewhere in that a foot taller than the normal who comes from a tribe of warriors who specialize in what slings slinging stones we go back this is david to saul don't worry about this philistine david told saul i'll go and fight him don't be ridiculous Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since youth. But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Incidentally, Saul was a herder as well, but Saul herded donkeys. And so we have someone that's a donkey herder, and then we have someone that's a sheep herder. What were the Israelis referred to as God's what? Yeah, sheep, right? So here's Saul, and here's David, 6-5, They think David may be 10 years old at this time. Very small. And he says, hey, I'm a shepherd. And when someone tries to come harm my sheep, I defend them. I'm just a boy, but I defend them. And what does he say he defends them with? A sling or a what? A club. That's weird. We always talk about David with the sling. But he says, no, 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 I use a club every time. I have done this to both lions and bears and i'll do it to this pagan philistine too for he has defied the armies of the living god the lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this philistine saul finally consented all right go ahead and may the lord be with you then saul gave david his own armor a bronze helmet and a coat of mail david put it on strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn so many things before, such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt of this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here and I'll make your flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Goliath is not only the exposer, but we said he's the accuser, right? He puts him down. He says you can't measure up to me you can't simply overcome me i'm too big and i'm too bad and david replied to the philistine you come to me with sword spear and javelin but i come to you in the name of the lord of heaven's armies and god of the armies of israel whom you have defied Before I put up those giants of the things in the news, right? Uh, Some of the events that happened, some of the illnesses, COVID, pandemic, entire shutdown, Um, police abuse, then the cry to get rid of them, right? People taking justice into their own hands, doing incredible things, crazy things. And that's one of the things that we see. And we have an opinion about those things, and they make us feel things. And then we go back and we say, no, but I need to love my neighbor. I need to love the Lord our God. But the ones you see up here, these are different. These are the ones that you don't see in people. These are the ones that people are crying out inside, and you don't know. And these are the worst kind of giants, right? They're the ones that come for your very soul. They're the ones that tell you you're not enough and you never will be. Nobody cares about you and they never will. You're all alone. You have no self-worth. The pain of the past can only be numbed out by numbing out with alcohol or drugs or pornography or another relationship. Or running away. You cannot, and you never will, feel understood, heard, or loved. They whisper, leave your family, leave your friends. And they come after the very life that we have. They're devastating. And I remember one time, um, the idea of feeling alone. Um, so there were, so at work, there's two things I'm known as, the guy who looks really old, like I look older than I really am, right? Which I do, I look in the mirror, I'm like, wow. The second thing I'm known as is the guy with bad luck. And I already talked about this morning, how crazy it was leading up to this and all the bad things that happened. Anyways, the guy with bad luck. So, for years, I would have all these things happen. And I, I mean, I've probably been in like 15 accidents, traffic accidents, and I was, I was the one that did one of them. So hit 14 other times. I mean, driving, I get hit, right? And all these things were going on. I mean, it was so much so that um, we were in a relationship with uh, Bruce and Robin Williams, and then later the Halls, and they're like, how can this be? What is going on that bad things continue to happen? And I used to be resilient. I would be like, ah, just, it is what it is. That's me, that's my life. It just happens. And people would ask, like, how is this, how do you keep going and not get mad and sad? And I'd be like, ah, it's just God, right? I, I gotta look for the positive. I gotta look for these things. But it started to tire me out after a while. It started to tear me down. And I started to feel oddly alone in different ways and this weird loneliness. And then I started to think, you know what? God really doesn't care. Like, God cares that He loves us, that He made us, that He wants us to come to a knowledge of Him. But my day-to-day life, the illnesses in the family, the the things that happen, God doesn't care. And as I began to believe that, it was actually hard to get up in the morning. Because I felt like, here was the God that I put all my hope in. Here was jesus who died for my sins and he was my hope and why i got up and i thought no he's good my best friend my lord and my savior but then those feelings of no he doesn't care and i felt so alone and i was down and what happened was is i went from being someone who was willing to someone that was like, nah, I'm okay. Hey, can you help with this? No, I'm okay. Hey, we, we need this, could, could, you, could you help in any way, give your time or effort, or hey, we need this um, part of the church we need help in. No, I'm good. And I no longer became willing, but I didn't pick up the phone anymore, right? I didn't believe what people said. And that's what giants do. And that's what Goliath was trying to do to the army of Israel. He accused them, You're not good. You can't beat me. And he exposed some of them for what they relied on in life. And so. This is the valley where they would have been at. It's described as an incredible place of force of oak and vineyards and wheat. It's one of the most gorgeous places, some people say, in all of Israel, in this valley. That's a sling. So those slings, and those are the real stones they would use, they were almost the size of a baseball. And there's, a, there's an Italian writer who talked about, hey, we would always train, it's universally known, that we would always train part of our archers to being sling throwers. And you had the cavalry that was on horses, you had the people on foot, and then you had the artillery and the sling throwers. And he said, we didn't care about the archers. We had our own uh, armor, we could deal with it, we made plans. He said, but the rocks, The slingers were the most dangerous, and it was well known, but imagine getting hit with that in the forehead, right? Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of the men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and stone, for he had no sword. So what do we learn from this? What are we supposed to learn from this? We all have giants that we're facing in life. And those giants come at you one-on-one. And those giants are different sizes depending upon who you are. And Satan knows how to come after you. And the giants sometimes are the physical things we can see, but other times they're the internal things that try to derail us, that try to suck the life out of us. And there's some interesting things with this, because everybody thought that David would go down, and even Goliath did, that he would fight him man against man. And he said, come down here, you come at me with a stick, I'm gonna kill you. Saul said, put on my armor, there's no way you're gonna win. The whole time, David never even considered that was the way he was gonna fight. David had a different idea about what it was to fight giants and in life he would go at them with a club and even on this when he didn't take a club he took a sling and so many times in life when giants come at us we try to go at things with the things we know we think we know and we think we're going to fight the fair battle you insulted me i'm going to insult you back you gossiped about me i'm going to gossip back I feel anxiety, I feel fear. I feel all these things and they weigh me down and I can't get past them. And we have to decide, well which weapon are we deciding to use? David used something out of the norm because he said the victory is not because of what I'm gonna do. The victory is because I do it for God. The giants in your life, how do you fight them? The typical way to fight is to come up with a new psychological way. I I, I believe in psychology, I'm not trying to bang on it, I'm trying to use an example. The new term to use, the new thing to wear, the new group to be with. And that's the knowledge. That's the common knowledge of the world. This is something we came up with. This is new. This is going to solve it. Here's the medication. Medication's good, right? I'm not trying to bang on that, but I'm using an example. This is what you do. David said, no, I'm not going to use the normal things. I'm going to come with my God, the living God. So you think about giants right we think about ministry maybe you're in the ministry maybe you're marcel and karina and um, you look around and you're like man we're we're not growing at the rate i would like us to grow i want this to be filled with a lot of people from garden grove too and i always ask, i'm going to get an apartment in garden grove at this point so we say garden grove from here Okay. But they might be thinking, it's not growing. And then the accuser twisted around and said, well, maybe it's actually the congregation's fault. they just not backing us. Right? Maybe you're leading a group. And you go, man, my group's not together yet. We don't feel like we're family. People aren't calling each other. We're not connecting. People hardly show up. And that giant pops up maybe it's students maybe a giant just tells you to give up the fight maybe it's not in your best interest just assimilate become like everybody else and at the same time they're standing you they're telling you to stand out you're like i am i'm standing out like a christian they're like no don't stand out like that stand out like us and the giant whispers it's not worth it let me just be like everybody else maybe you're a professional single And you feel like my career, my love life, my family, my dreams have not been fulfilled the way I wanted them to. And I feel hurt. And I feel alone. I feel anxious. I feel a lot of things. Maybe the giant just keeps whispering that in your ear. And maybe your parent. And maybe your giant tells you you're a failure because your child doesn't love God. Big one. Because when your kid was born, you and your husband or you held up your daughter your son and you were so joyful and so full of dreams and you prayed and you said one day they'll love God. And they've grown up and they don't love God. They've been influenced by other things. And you cried and you bled and you prayed and you said, oh, they're gonna be a Christian. They're gonna love God and they turn their back and you say, I failed. If I just would have done more time with them, if I just would have prayed this, if I just didn't sin, maybe this wouldn't have happened to them. But the truth is they need to still take inventory of their soul and prioritize their soul in their life. They have to face their own giants, just like you did at one time. And so it's not you, it's not your fault. They just need to face their giants. Remember the duality. He comes at you and he accuses and maybe twists things up, but he also exposes who we are. And we got to be willing to look in the mirror and say, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? It's interesting. When Peter addresses the crowd after, at Pentecost, right, Jesus has died, gone back to heaven, and Peter's out there preaching, Peter says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Not, come with me and you'll make it to heaven. Come with me and things are going to be great you're going to overcome everything you're not going to suffer you're not going to have pain you're not going to have to choose between numbing out or facing yourself he said no save yourselves from this corrupt generation it's the same thing today as it was before and so we choose what to fight with and in closing I want to talk about what each person did really well, and what they had a hard time with, and see if anything in there matches up for you. Samuel was incredible, but he struggled. He knew that he needed to obey God, but he knew that what he was supposed to do wasn't good for the people. Because he knew that the people wanted to be just like everybody else, and God said, fine, we'll give him a king but he knew that their hearts would run away instead of going to God. But he still obeyed, even though he felt so strongly about things. Saul, Saul was the unrealized talent who made decisions first, not from consulting God, but based on how he felt. Unused talent and un- Realized talent can be incredibly harmful when you don't use your talent for God we become resentful critical and never at peace you're frustrated you blame others but this is how it should be this is how the leader should do this no this is not how it was I remember when I was leading and doing X Y and Z the truth all along is you're not happy because you didn't give your talent to God the way he wanted Like Saul, it was always on your terms, on my terms. David, a man after God's own heart, he believed and he acted on it. With the breath of God, he defied the giant. And the interesting thing is the weapon he used. When we fight Satan, when we fight our giants, we have to take inventory of our own heart our own soul, who we are. Yeah, but they treated me wrong. Yeah, but I was, that's not right. Hey, they said this wrong. Take inventory of your heart, because you said it wrong to somebody else too. You abused somebody else too, emotionally, in a friendship. They gossiped about me. Yeah, you gossip too. And once you take inventory, and you start to use the weapon of I am this person myself, and I've been forgiven, and now I can forgive, you start to slay those giants. But if you choose the tool that's not of God, it's not going to work. You will perpetually not be able to understand why you can't overcome why you don't grow, why you're not realizing some things in your life with God. You know, COVID was a big one, right? Big one. Um, I don't want to say a ton on it because I I don't want to, I think it's a delicate situation, but I think COVID really was that Goliath that exposed all of our hearts exposed all of our faith. And if you're willing to look at your response to things, you might be surprised at what you did well, but what you still need to grow in. It's a big one. Um, Lastly, we'll close it up here. We'll have a video to end it last. Um, To the parents with to the, to the parents um, with your, your children not, you know, really excited about God right now. Um, you're not alone and you're not different. If you took every character from what we looked at and you looked at Samuel, do you know anything about his sons? They were wicked. They treated people unfairly. People cried out because of how they treated others. Yet here's this judge, this prophet, this guy who God used to anoint two kings and his own blood just, it wasn't there. What about David? Anybody know about David's son Absalom? What did Absalom try to do to David? Tried to kill him, right? A man after God's own heart with his very breast slayed the giant and led Israel like a king of never before. But his own child didn't have that same passion. Jesus, he had 12 followers, right? Did one walk away? Who was it who walked away? Who decided they didn't want to follow anymore? Judas. And lastly, God himself, our perfect father with Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve, um, when they decided to do their own thing and and live their own life and not follow the decrees, God was, where are you, right? What happened to our relationship? We were so close, we had everything in common, and now there's this barrier between us. And God said, hey, you're going to have a hard life now. If you don't get this straight, you're going to have a hard life. And it's going to be really tough for you to produce and really tough for your relationships in the future. But the last thing he did before he sent them off for this tough journey to face their giants and to face what they had to face was he knit them close. And he loved them. And he said, I know you have to go on this journey because of your decisions, but I want to make sure that I send you off in love. Amazing amazing stories Um, Let's watch this last video and then we'll have a song. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving I hope everybody can jot down at some point what giants are in your life right now that you're facing and Then jot down and think through what are the tools? How am I gonna slay this? How am I gonna face this? Where's my faith on this one thing? God can do incredible, impossible things if we just choose the right tools, the right way to go about it. Thank you so much, guys.
1: right here with a Prayer. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for this time we can get together uh, to worship you, God, to connect with you, to hear your word preached. I pray that uh, we can leave here uh, feeling confident that we can face the giants in our
0: lives uh, because we have you on our side, God. I pray that um, as we go into Thanksgiving week, we can um, also just remember all the things that you've given us and show gratitude and
1: thankfulness for all, all that you've done for us, God. Uh, we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a happy Thanksgiving.